You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the Blog to Watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Mr. Danny Goldsmith of Goldsmith and Complications, which is a new high-end watch boutique in Florida. Uh, Danny, hello. Hey, Ariel. How are you, buddy? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm good. I, I was excited to have you on the show because we have had such long conversations over the years. And I'm like, this is a guy who, like me, likes to talk and hopefully someone will overhear our conversation one day. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, I'll try not to cut you off because I know I do that to you all the time on the phone. So I just get excited. I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. It'll make, for, it'll make it. for a good show. We just have so much to say. That's the problem, right? Like guys like you and me, it's, it's not that we're rude. We actually really care about what other people say, but we just have so much to express. Well, we always apologize to each other. That, well, we're, yeah, we're nice about it. We're nice about it. So let's just sort of get into it when we first met. When we first met, or around the time we first met, you were representing um, a brand called Waltham. And Correct. you were representing them at a very interesting time in the Waltham history because it was owned, I believe, by an Italian gentleman who wanted to make a pretty high-end, pretty ultra-modern sports watch brand. And if you know anything about watches, you know that Waltham is a very old name in American watchmaking that, you know, that did, you know, pocket watches and a lot of traditional stuff. Um, and that's sort of an interesting story to tell because that's some of the things that can happen in the watch industry. These old names can come back and change form. And you really got to be on top of, of, of everything uh, which is going on in the industry or can be so confusing. I guess my first question is, how do you keep up with what's going on in the watch industry as someone who sells watches? Well, I think every day I'm on Watchville, every day I'm reading articles. I mean, I speak to clients all the time and I speak to my friends such as you. And, you know, I just want to find out what's going on. You want to find out what's you know, the latest and the, the new phase of um But it's it, it, back then we first met. It wasn't like it is now. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we met probably what, six years ago. Seven, I mean, when I was doing Waltham and it was a lot different then. I mean, Instagram really just started kicking out and like, you know, Instagram now, it's social media. It's like, it's amazing. It's totally changed the industry. Um, but back then, it wasn't like that. And it just started kind of snowballing. Um, but really, it's just conversations. Um, lots of, I do a lot of Zooms. Um, I do a lot of, I have a lot of WhatsApp groups I'm involved in. I'm in watch groups. And it's just really just conversations and just a lot of follow reading and stuff like that. Um, and also dealing with the brands. So all the time I'm just talking to the brands and the new product that's coming out and you know, privy of stuff that's comes out, you know, way before, like I would say like five or six months before it's actually announced. So it's also for forecasting fashion, forecasting and the trends. And, um, so that's really how I try to stay on the pulse. I guess the point that I was trying to make, and I'm glad you articulated is how much work it is to stay on top of everything. Like, you have to actively research what goes on in the industry practically on a daily basis, on top of everything else you're doing, to be armed with the information to not only know what you're talking about, to speak relevantly to the people that you're working with. I, I think that it's 
probably not like that in every other industry and probably surprising to people that there's as much going on on a daily basis as there is in watches, right? Well, without a doubt. Not only that, but it's, if I don't stay on top of it, I mean, most of my clients, I mean, everyone's so savvy. Everyone, it's just everything's at the fingertips. And with social media, a lot of people find out about these releases sometimes before I even do. Um, I'll get a picture and it's like, oh, could you have this? Can you get this? And I'm like, what? This is out, you know, but so obviously I don't like when that happens. So I have to do everything I can to find out because I always want to give the proper information. But yeah, it's super important. And it's amazing. I mean, I'm in a few watch groups. I mean, like I was saying about the WhatsApp chats are amazing. And social media, um, it's really, it's it's so important. And it's just taken over this industry, in my opinion, um, especially like at Instagram, where who would have thought five, six years ago, it would be like this. But another aspect, it's so wonderful having this because I think that for the consumer is that, I mean, I, my, I'm so passionate about independent watchmakers. I think it's wonderful that the consumer actually has the opportunity or, you know, to speak to like their idol watchmakers. And, um, you know, it's, sorry, go ahead. I know you want to say something. <laughs> no, I... Yeah. I think what I, what I like to do is I like to bring some context to the people who are listening because sure. it's very difficult to sort of like put yourself in your shoes to understand this, this responsibility. And one of the things that's interesting you're telling me is that if you don't appear to be like an up-to-date expert on these products, that puts you at a disadvantage with selling because at the end of the day, you're a salesperson. People come to you and they want you to sell them on something that will make them happy. And watches have the ability to make people happy if you know what you're, if you know what it is. If you just see it, there's a limited amount of happiness they can give you. But if you really understand it, then it can make you very, very happy. And so you're you're a lot more like a consultant in a lot of ways than the salesperson, at least in the way that I mostly think about how most salespeople operate. Yeah, you know, I actually it's interesting because like I, I am a salesperson because at the end of the day that's what I'm doing. I'm selling watches and that's what you know takes care of my family. But I you know, I don't look at it that way, but I'm like so for example, someone calls me up and we just start talking about watches and I'm not I never push and I always want people to get whatever they want, but when something drops and I don't know about it, and then they're like, Oh, do you have this? And I'm like, Oh, you know, like I just heard about like it might be coming soon, but they already have the pictures. I don't like that feeling at all because I always like to know. And I mean, I like to always be prepared, of course. Um, like I just found out this watch from an independent brand that I carry. I have it actually in stock. but So I just found out like about an hour ago. Tomorrow it's dropping the announcement. But like the brand just found out, like the U.S. I'm sorry, just found out from Switzerland. So it's like, oh, my God, thank God I spoke to him earlier today because tomorrow when it drops... I'm well prepared, you know, so this way someone calls me, it won't be a surprise, but you have to be so on top of this. It's like my wife always, you know, doesn't laugh. In the beginning, she used to laugh, but now it gets like, okay, what are you hanging out with? You know, Jackson and I, because I can be talking to everyone all day long. I can be reading. There's always something coming on. I mean, I can get calls. And plus, I have clients all over the world. I can be on the phone all night long. Um but just talking about like what's going on in Singapore, what's going on here, what's about to drop, did you hear about this? And I'm like, how did you hear about that? Because I just found out about that. No one's supposed to. So getting to what we're saying, it's like, it's amazing with social media. It's just everyone is so knowledgeable. So you have to be on your A-game. Um, and plus, you know, with a lot of these independent watchmakers, there's just a certain amount of pieces they make in a year, let's say 150. And you want to make sure you get it because you know your clients don't want it. So... It's also the relationships with the brands. When you have a strong relationship with the brands, um, it definitely helps. 
Um, so oh, let's let, let's back up a minute here because I think you you, you again you. You live and breathe this, and you suffer from what I call ivory tower syndrome, where you you live what you do so so often you don't necessarily know how strange it might be to someone who isn't you know speaking to watch clients on a daily basis and dealing with these brands. Yeah. But this is still this is still obscura to most people, and with the internet and social media, especially um, salespeople, at least in the traditional sense, have lost a lot of power because you used to be able to control those conversations. Someone used to talk to you. And you were able to tell them about what was new based upon what you wanted to say. You could have completely left certain things out and talked about other things. Now you have to move with the current of information that you don't control. Do you think that there's been a lot of people out there like you that have not necessarily been able to adapt and who just weren't able to get over those times where they could control all the information? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you have to change the times. I mean, I think a lot of retail stores... I mean, it, it's so different from we met to the way it is now. Um, it's like you have to keep up, and the times are always changing. And if you're not going to, if you're not going to be have a strong social media account, if you're not going to be WhatsApping and messaging your clients all the time, you're not. You can't just sit and wait for someone to come into the store. And I'm not sure if that's the area you were going with, but it's just like you have to keep up the times. And I feel like a lot of these salespeople they just sit there and they wait. And I, I mean, I, you know, it's like. I only know what I do. I hear things, um, and it just—I'm always willing to help and talk to anyone, you know, because I, this is for me. This is my passion. You know, this is not work. Um, but I always try to when I speak to other stores and stuff. Like, you know, it's easy thing. Go on social media, read out, talk to your friends, just watch, watch get, you know, watch get-togethers, have conversations with your clients, because everyone's so knowledgeable. But you have to change with the times. If you just don't, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, let's let's again. I'm just trying to create more context here because you know people that are not in, in, involved in this on a day to day basis might not necessarily understand all the the reasons why we're even mentioning this stuff. But you're talking about you know not just being able to sit there and and wait for for clients to come to you. Let let's look at that that in context. It used to be that a high end watch store was really the only place you could learn about this. And when you went in there, there would be a salesperson, possibly similar to yourself, who would guide the person through the collection, talk them about it, and that salesperson could ostensibly wait until someone shows up. These days, it's not about foot traffic, if you will. These days, you have to go out there and solicit your own relationships, which also leads me to my next point, which is that it's these sort of quasi-friendships, and I say quasi because at the end of the day, you're also you're a salesperson, but these sort of friendship style relationships you develop with these people. And again, this is in the context of some of the high-end watches you sell, which we'll talk about shortly. But that is really the strategy these days is you got to be their their watch buddy. They can also feed their habit. It's sort of like their drug buddy and their drug dealer at the same time. Oh, without a doubt. And I've, and I've been called that before. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, daddy, like my drug dealer. I'm like, you know, and they can wrap it. You have to. And, you know, it's, again, when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, I mean, that's what it was. It's like, you know, there was the Rolex, the whatever it was. It's like you went to that store. And then, but now it's like when I talk to everyone or like, well, when I speak to my, you know, it's, it's this way. I have whatever number of clients I have, I probably have not met, I would say, 90, 95% of them. You know, also back in the day, it used to be like almost like territories. Like if you're in New York, I mean, you had your New York customers and you didn't really have customers all over the place. So now it's like 
it's funny, when I was working in, living in New York, I had more customers on the West, West Coast, mid, Midwest, and Southeast than I actually did in New York because of social media. But then when you start talking to these guys, it's like, yeah, I'm on a daily basis. I can talk to people all the time. For me, because I have no concept of time anymore, I can be on the phone for an hour a day with each guy. It's just physically it's not too possible, so I kind of try to cut it down. That could be the name but, of your memoir, No Concept of Time. Yeah, it should be. I mean... Uh, I'm surprised I wasn't late for this. It's like ever since the pandemic, I've been late for everything. <laughs> I would never be late for you. Isn't it unfair that if you're into watches, people assume that you're on time all the time? I try to say to people, it's because I'm into watches. You know, I I, I need them to be on time. Without it, I'm not naturally available. So these are these are good reminders. Oh my god! You know how many times I just look at my watch and I'm just admiring it. I don't even know what time it is. I'm not looking actually at the time. I'm just taking it all in. But yeah, I but I was always the guy that was like an hour early or like always first one at the airport. For some reason, I just I'm trying to work on it. It's my New Year's resolution because everyone's everyone makes fun of you calling me a daddy time or like really five minutes. <laughs> I, I hear it all the time. You I just need to that. say no. That's I think what the issue is. I you know I. I have to. I have to, like, sometimes I have to put my foot down, but it's hard. Um, and like I said, I could be up to 3, 4 in the morning, and then I'm up at 6 to, you know, get my son ready, and I'm back on the phone, and um, I, just, I love it. Like, honestly, I mean, like, you know, the passion I had when I was doing Waltham, it just, I mean, I even, I just started getting into, like, independence around that, but, like, this is just so much fun for me. I can talk about What, what were you doing before that? I want to I get to where you are now, but what were you doing before you were you were working for Waltham. So let's see here. I was working for a company called Viewpoint. Um, it's a it's a marketing sales company. We represent this watch brand, which is introduced called Philip Stein. Actually, let me take a step back. Right before that, I was working for a company called Lazar Kaplan. I basically I have a jewelry background, but watches are my passion. I was always on the wholesale side before I started working at Julian and opened up my own boutique. Um, so. When I was Alazar Kaplan, I knew the owner of Viewpoint. He introduced me to this new brand called Philips Side. And I don't know if you remember it, but it was like the one with the oh, Tesla chips. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I sat there and I wasn't expecting anything. It's funny because I also I arranged this Lazar Kaplan basketball team. So we played in the league every week and I missed the game and I went to see Jim and we had a great conversation. I just loved the whole concept. And I'm like, you know what? This is my opportunity to get into watches. Um, you know, but it wasn't like, a Rolex Daytona, something I was nothing like I've ever seen before. At that time, you know, early 20s, I was just like, Rolex, Rolex, Rolex. Um, and then Panerai came in. But so I did that. And so God bless Oprah, you know, she put it on the top 10 list. But I literally started with like one account, I had 14 states. And I think in a year and a half, I had 88 accounts. I couldn't even open up any more stores. I was just traveling. But I'll tell you that it was amazing. What was amazing about the Tesla chips in there, I mean, people swore by them. So you're supposed to wear it on your left wrist for your energy flow. I mean, I would do trunk shows and people would come in and I think you guys, they had some serious illnesses. They're like, I only feel well when I wear my watch. And it was amazing. I mean, whatever, if you bleed it or not, it was just a really feel-good experience. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. Um, you know, Timex Group eventually bought the Tesla technology. And uh, they started putting it in, in their own watches and stuff like that. And I was, and they really wanted me to cover it. And I was like, okay, people, like, I really want to talk about the story, but I have to understand what the science is. Like, you have got to give me some technical information to explain the science. And like, okay, we get it. So they sent me this, I don't know, stuff, and I was reading through a lot of it. And 
this is the conclusion I came to. There's something about this sort of Tesla notion of wearing this little chip under. There's something. Obviously, it's doing good to some people a little bit more than the psychosomatic effect. With that said, they did not understand what it is. So their, their scientific stuff, if you want to call it that, was pseudoscience jargon and completely indecipherable. So here's the point I'm trying to make. It's interesting how in the watch space, this item, which is literally the very definition of a feel-good item, which is not well understood, is the perfect thing to sell a watch in the sort of post-timekeeping era, if you will, meaning that people are buying watches for some reason other than to tell the time. And this Philip Stein product, you know, if it effective or otherwise, was a very public manifestation of we get that you're buying a watch for something other than the time. Um, and did you ever think about that at the time, that the primary reason people were buying this was completely different than what the watch's main purpose was for? So, and I did. But I was thinking that because of Oprah. Because at the time, anything that Oprah put on top of it, it just blew up. And it was a, basically, in the beginning, it was more ladies that were buying it. And then oh, yeah. it started to be more guys. And then it was like, oh, you know what? I noticed that my golf swing, I, I don't have like my carpal tunnel. And you know what? I mean, listen, like, I mean, you know me, I'm very transparent, straight shooter. Some of the things I heard, I'm like, oh, come on. You know, but I was like, that's amazing if that's actually working for the guy. He's like, because I, I, I remember like, they gave me like a wardrobe watch, like, maybe because I'm like, more. Never, I never felt anything, but I got my own. I actually felt a little something. But when you're traveling, and, you know, you're selling something that people really like, it does well, and it people actually feel good. I mean, you know how cool that is? I mean, to be so like transparent, I literally had a woman who had cancer and she came over to me and she's like, she has never felt this well. And I mean, this is no baloney. She really, and she swore by it. And it was just amazing. And people, I mean, the price points, I think like $500 or not, but you would be surprised. I sold more of like the 2000 once, diamond ones, the ladies, because people love it. It was, you know, it was a, it was a really sharp looking time. These are two dials, the dual time zone, exchangeable straps. But it was, you know, it, I wish I knew what was going on. Like, I, I have no idea where, currently where it stands. Um, but back then, in like 2004, 2005, it was on fire. Said so I do these trunk shows, it was so much fun. I mean, there were definitely people like, oh, come on, you don't really believe it. But you know what? Proofs in the pudding. And, and now, I'm, now I'm learning where you became a really good drug pusher. <laughs> 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 I just love making people feel great. That's all. That's all, man. I'm like, guys, man. Um, no, but, <laughs> so, you know, it's just, but it, it was, it was great. It was wonderful. And so I was there for like five years, but there's really, I mean, we also represent some other jewelry brands and stuff. And I have these friends with this, the people that were just very small. And it was great to see whether it was your boss, so they went on their own and they, they just became like superstars in the jewelry industry. It's just like Todd Reed and Emily Armenta, Saban. Um, so, you know, it was, that was wonderful, that whole experience. It was really great. As a matter of fact, when I was down in the design district not too long ago, uh, for my first time, I had to stop in the Saban booth, uh, boutique, and I saw his cousin, Herman, who I haven't seen in God, like 15 years. It was awesome. We ran over, gave him a hug, and you know, just like those memories that we had together back in those days was awesome. But so after that, it was 2008, and my family owned a hotel company, Jordan. Um, that was my vision. That that's what I was going to do, and I always wanted to make a name for myself. 
I didn't want to be, you know, I mean, I love being Harry Goldsmith's son, but I wanted to be Danny Goldsmith's son, you know, Danny Goldsmith. I wanted to make a name for myself and bring something to the table. Not that like I was feeding off my parents, you know, I wanted to. So, but as we all know, in 2008, that's when would you Would you have been able to get in the way you did to learning jewelry and later watches if it wasn't for that original family? And because you were by no means alone and being people that benefited from having a family member that was a big deal in the industry. And it's not that you do exactly what they do, but something about that involvement and participation gives you access and understanding that you may have never otherwise had. So it's, that's an excellent question. And surprisingly, no one's ever asked me that, ever. Um, so basically, without my my dad, and so my dad was VP of this company called Nova Stylings. They were like the Rolls Royce of the Jordan Shoe in the 70s and 80s, and they started his own company in the 90s. But all these guys, and I'm not going to name names, but all like the big shots, all, all the paddock rolls, whatever. I know these guys since I was you know, 10 years old, whether they were at my bar mitzvah or like I've just known them through the years because they were friends with my parents. So, I mean, it kind of helped, but then also there were people that were like, oh, you know, he knows this one. But I never used any of that. I never talked about it, but it definitely helped me get in. Um, yeah, it was actually my very first job when I was, was 24 in the jewelry shop. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. My sister went to, she was a gemologist um, working in the city, was for um, Bernard Gross. We represented a brand called Stefan Hofner and Yossi Scavia. And it was actually, I went to Basel and it was just but because. You know, my dad knew them, uh, but obviously, like I had to sell myself on the job. But I didn't know a sapphire from a diamond, you know, and I didn't know if I wanted to do that. Um, but it was a great experience, and then from there, it's, it went to. The, I was like, I, you know what? I want to learn more about diamonds and finished jewelry. I worked in house Lazar Capital, but then I, I found my passion. And I remember, I honestly remember. I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but I remember exactly when it was when I was like, oh my god, watches are my thing. Um, you had like a, an epiphany. Big time, without a doubt. So I was actually somewhere around there. I don't know if I was 23, something like that, but I was young. And um, I was at, so in New York, they had a show. I don't know if they still have it, the JA show. I'm sure they do post it. Pandemic vomit again. Um, my dad had a booth there, and he's sitting with a client who was a buyer for a multi um, door retailer, Rolex and all that good stuff. And the guy was wearing a Daytona. And I was like, what is that? Now, I was wearing Ebell watch. My dad was part of the people that bought an Ebell back in the day. And like, I mean, I'm sure you know a lot of people when we were younger that had Ebell watch. Like, I miss gosh. that brand. I think I still have my sport wave somewhere. I have to. I mean, that's what I got when I graduated high school or college. Um, it's cool. I, you know, what's funny is I've been seeing a lot of that chronograph that Don Johnson wore during his Miami Vice days. And I'm just like, man, that is such a cool, cool watch. Um, so an an Abel is what got you into watches that and that no, 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 no. The, I felt like I was ten feet tall. Like when I had the Abel, I was like, I'm the man. You know, it was great. But when yeah. this gentleman had, he was wearing a, he had a white face Daytona. Um, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! Like I just, you know what, you know what it is, man. Like when you see a watch, it doesn't happen often. When you see that one timepiece, and you're like, oh my god! It's like everything stops. I, I actually imagine it what my, it might be like with um, a female when she sees maybe an outfit that she loves. Because growing up, I would see how Gaga certain women get over you know clothing, and I was like, I don't know what the big deal is. But then 
you and I can have that exact same thing with a watch. You're like, I can imagine wearing it, and I know what I'm going to do while I'm wearing it. And I know how I'm going to feel, and I can get excited about how I feel. And like, I, I just, I'm imagining it's similar in the female context to like a nice dress or outfit. Okay, so figure that, picture that ten times worse. I was like, oh my god, what is? That? I mean, like, I was like, insane. Like, so yes, so I'm mean, exaggerating a little bit, but that's exactly how it was. And I'm like, I want to know everything. And you know, listen, I had a Seiko, which I still have. I'm a big Seiko guy, but like, I've had stuff that I love to, but I, I just, you know, I grabbed one. If I saw something I liked or my parents got, you know, that was it. It was nothing crazy. But when I saw this Daytona, I was just like, I want to know everything about this. And you know what? The guy was such a wonderful guy. He, I think the cost of time or something, cost, not retail, was like three or four thousand. I was just like, you know what? I have a couple of my safe. He's like, if you like one, I'm, you know, and then all of a sudden my dad's like, no, 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 he just graduated college, he's gotta save his money. And I'm like, Dad, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I'm not at home, you know, but so and it's funny because I didn't get the watch of the guy. And it was very nice of him to offer to me. And for years I just bust my dad's shops. I'm like, you know, because I had that Daytona. But um, it was funny because my 30th birthday, they got me a 116520 stainless steel white um, dial. But but that's the day I remember. I don't know what day it was, how old I was. I just thought it was in my early 20s. I remember exactly. I was at the Java Center. I know who the gentleman was. I, I mean, to this day, I'm still friends with him. And he's not in the industry. He's probably in his 80s now. But um, we still kid around about it. He's like, oh, man. He's like, yeah, it's funny that you brought that up. Because he was like, you're like my wife when she gets a pocketbook that day. Um so anyway, but yeah, so I want, I want you to be philosophical for a moment. I want you to think about this question. And again, this is, this is important to ask you because you are on the front lines. You are the one speaking to the consumers and selling to them. And I think that, again, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but if people aren't buying watches today for utilitarian purposes, we know this in your opinion, from your experience, what are some of the average reasons? And that it can be unflattering or it can be poetic, however you want, that most people buy very expensive watches. I'm not talking about even Rolex. I'm talking about a watch that costs $10,000 and above. What is the reason that people are buying? What, what need does it serve for them? Well, I mean, obviously status symbol for sure. Um, we all know that. I mean, I think also Instagram. Which, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pros. I think there's a lot of cons. That I feel like there's a lot of people that try to keep up with the Joneses. Um, you know, I mean, what, for whatever reason. I mean, I've had guys that, it's just, you know, older than me. This wasn't too long ago. There was a gentleman who wanted, really wanted an AP. Um, and, yeah, I didn't sell AP, but I was showing him a GP. And, he, you know, he, he didn't seem so, you know, thrilled. And I'm like, this is gorgeous. I mean, uh, the Laureato's great in-house movement i mean i love it but i was i said to the gentleman i'm like you know mike i know we just met but yeah i'm wearing a gp right now actually yeah i mean it's incredible i love it but i said to him i'm like i'm not feeling it what, what's going on here and usually when people come in they spend whether it's 50 whatever it is they're super excited and i don't you know i want this to be awesome for you um you know we work hard for our money and i want you to you know if you're not feeling this is well you know i'm really looking for an ap and i'm like well ap is a boutique down the street if that's what you want i watch what you want um, he said, no, but I can't get the one I want because his buddy in California had one. And I was just like, wait a second, you want to get one because he has one? Now, mind you, this guy is probably like in his mid-50s. I actually had two experiences. One with the guy who was in his 20s and his 50s. And I was like, yeah, but how often do you look at your wrist? I actually you know, I go, how often do you see your buddy? And I think he said once or twice a year. And I'm like, 
you work hard for your money, right? He's like, oh my God, I do this. I think he was actually doing two jobs at the time. And then he, I go, how often do you look at your wrist? And he's like, oh, I don't three, four times a day. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, give me the watch back. He goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, you're not buying this watch. I go, I want you, you're not, I'm not taking your money. I'm not, I want you to wait. I want you to do some research on this. I go, we're going to talk about this. And that's literally, that's what I did. It's like two or three weeks. I spoke to him like pretty much every day. And I'm like, get what you love. Like get what sings to you. Get what makes you happy, you know? And so he actually, so he wound up buying a couple of watches. The third one was a GP after he really, you know, got into it, you know, which I'm super happy for him. But it's like people, I mean, you know, I think also for me, it's like living when I lived in New York, I didn't have a car, an apartment. Like I all I I don't really wear jewelry, I wear my wedding band, there's some bracelets, you know, my son's made it Oscar Cadell. But for me for a watch, it's just like it just like makes me feel good. And it doesn't matter if it's like a one thousand dollar or five hundred dollar or a seventy-five thousand. I mean, if I love it, that's what makes me happy. It just I mean, for me it's just because it's not even like I mean, there's like so many complications. Like I admire and I appreciate everything out there. I mean, but for me, like less is more. Um, I like simple watches. So okay, so let's go back to the the, yeah, the answer and the answer. No, it's okay. I the answer is because it makes people feel good. Oh, for sure. It's not not a bad thing. It's not nothing that we have to defend. But there is this legitimate question in a lot of people's minds. Why do people go so gaga for this? Like there are there are people that go to events, like some of these watch meetup groups and things like that, that hopefully more of them will come back soon. Um, and sometimes they go because they really are just trying to figure out what is it that all these people see in this thing. It's not that they don't like watches, but they don't understand why all these people go gaga for it. And, so, and they're like, should I want to go gaga that way as well? And so when there's this buddy of yours from California who's showing off his Audemars Piguet and is really, really happy about it, What's interesting is you don't think to yourself immediately, oh, watches can make me happy too. You think I have to have that exact one to be happy. And I think that's one of the biggest problems on social media is that people people tend to think too direct. It's not that that particular watch on your wrist will make you as happy as that other person wearing it. It's that if you find the watch that's for you the same way that that person did, you could be happy. And I don't think enough people take that extra step to recognize that it's a watch you choose on your wrist, which makes you happy as opposed to this specific one. Exactly. Oh my God. You know what? And that's why I'm here. Really? And that's why I'm focusing on independent brands because it's like everyone, listen, Rolex, AP, I mean, I have them, you know, but like these, you know, these big brands that are well-known, you see them everywhere. They're beaten, you know, over your head. There's so much more out there. And it's like, and I tell you, you know, not only that though, but you'd be surprised. It's like, you know, when you message with someone on Instagram, you don't know. You know, I happen to know a lot of people because I sell them, but like, just as a consumer, like, you know, you get tagged in pictures, you start talking to people, oh, he's got that, I gotta get that, it's great, but no, you don't. There's so much out there, and what's always great about this, it's always gonna be a new watchmaker, it's exciting, and that's why I got the pens because you don't have to have, you know, that one watch or the big four, whatever it is that like everyone has, you know, go see what else is out there. You don't have to spend Let, a lot of money. Let's explain what independents are because Rolex is independent. It and is. I think, I think this terminology is used ineffectively. I mean, the watch industry it's a loose term, yeah. overall is really bad with terminology definitions. It's one of the first things that pissed me off about it. But anyways, yeah, we're talking about watches 
that are not from large mainstream companies. Of course, a corporate brand would definitely not be independent because it would be owned by a corporate entity. But there are big independent watch companies. You know, Seiko is independent. Rolex, like we said, is independent. Those are technically independent, but they're not what we're talking about. We're really right. talking about the artisanal brands, the craftsman brands, the low production, interesting avant-garde designs, not, you know, not necessarily conservative. Um, it's, it's a very, very loosely defined category of what I would just call enthusiast oriented stuff. You know, you go out and buy a Honda. Yeah. As an enthusiast, you could enjoy the Honda, but the Honda isn't made for enthusiasts. We're talking about products that are almost exclusively made for enthusiasts. Even if it can be appreciated by a mainstream, it has an enthusiast in mind when it's mentioned. That's why I like to call them more enthusiast watches. You know what I mean? No, you know, I know exactly what you mean. And I thank you for clarifying that because I'm talking to you right now. It's just like you and I buddies were talking. You know, yeah. it's like But there's I, a whole I, audience out there, and I don't want to exactly. confuse people. And, no, and, and I thank you for that because just like I'm getting like some of my friends now that I moved out to Florida, I'm like reunited with a lot of my high school friends and stuff. Like they know Rolex, you know, Bell and Ross. Like they know. So when I see the independents, like, yeah, huh? But you're right though. It's enthusiast. So it's like I have to break it down and like just like you just did for me. So I thank you for that. Um, but you're right. So when I was when I say brands that aren't Richmond Swatch, like that's what I was talking about. But to your point, there's Rolex, there's AP. Um, you know, well, it's, let, me, let me ask you a bigger yeah, question. Sure. People want the name brands more because the names are known and people like having products that other people uh, know. Like when you have a name no. on your wrist and no one's heard of it, it's, it's, it's just not as easy. Someone's like, Oh, I know that brand. How cool. So here's the question. Yeah. What is it about working with brands, name brands that, that makes it kind of unexciting because everybody who's a smart watch salesperson like yourself, at some point in their career, eventually says, you know what, I'm going to wipe my hands of those guys in Switzerland, and I'm going to do my own thing. What is it about those big groups and those name brands that, that makes it just difficult to stick with them for the long run? Well, it's, it's not even so much difficult to stick with them. But just to touch upon a point that you brought a few seconds ago, one of my closest friends in childhood um, you know, I want to do something nice to him. And then I gifted him a watch, which I've never really done before, um, especially the price point. And he didn't realize how much it was. And, you know, he's done a lot for me to help me get down here. With my family. He must have helped you hide that body, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, it was more like helping me find a retail spot during the pandemic. And everything. But he's been like, like I said, since we were 12 years old. And you know, so there was a, and it was a pretty expensive watch. Um, but, you know, he deals with high, very high-end clientele and to him it's like if it's not a name brand you know it could be a lot less you know it's funny because he gave me back the watch he's like listen i'm like i try to explain to him like this is what it is but you know what he's not really a watch guy but he just wants to have some his wrist that just screams like ap or just some like big showy watch because he you know, deals with very high-end clients and sells multi-million dollar homes um so no matter what you can't get through that guy but I was trying to, and I want just to see that there's more that's out there, but there are definitely people that want the name brand. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's just so much out there. And there's so, then that's why I was, I like to be different. You know that. And I like, I don't like as much as I listen. I have a fat girl, I have a but I like having 
whether it was Mike Rodenfeld, my art work. I mean, yeah, I'm crazy about art work. I mean, Kari Buzalani, there's just so much out there. Their masters of the craftsmanship is so unique and different. And I like that. And I don't like, I like having something different. I like when people, oh, what is that? When I'm wearing my UR105 and I'm like, oh, well, this is my art night. And I flip it over and I'm like, here's my control valve. And like, oh my God, I've never heard of this. You know, it's not even talking about pricing. It's just, there's just so much out there. And I can go on and on and on. What is the solution? What is the solution to the must-have watch, right? Because social media creates what's called the network effect. And the network effect essentially means that things that are a little bit popular end up being the most popular and everything else just sort of gets washed out. It's sort right, of well, that's the, why um, I'm saying there's pros and cons to Instagram because in social media because look where we are now. I mean, the market is crazy. It's never been like this. But, um, I'm but not you one of those guys. That, you, you have must-have watches and then you have – Watches that are, you know, just as satisfying if you apply them correctly that nobody knows about. So the question is, you thrive on the notion of you want to get something a little bit special and different. But we exist in an information economy right now where it's essentially winner take all. And so the question essentially is, what is the solution? Because real enjoyment in the watch space is by finding something that really specifically defines you and isn't generic. Yet what we have is a push to the generic because that is what's most talked about. And so again, it's, it's a philosophical question, but what yeah. is the solution to that? Oh my God, you're kidding me, right? If I had that solution, I mean, it's interesting to see, to think back like the last three years with like how everything started changing, even four years ago, and then all the brands, whatever they are, the smaller brands or um, the enthusiast brands, and you know, they're like, oh, we don't want to be like this guy. But they, it's, you see them. I hate to be, I hate to even say this because I know a lot of people can be listening. But they all do for the most part, and that's why you can't get product or they're holding back or whatever. It drives me crazy. Um, you know, like you'll do a training and you'll see like padding, you know, the Nautilus, the Aquanaut. You'll see the Pepsi up there. We don't want to be like this, but you know, hold some watches back in the safe and create a buzz. And I'm like, well, they don't even know who you are, so how are they going to find out? I don't have no idea what the solution is. I mean, I would just what I try to do is I try to like. For the new person, number one, that wants to get, because Rolex is still the king and it always has that connotation, like I've arrived and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Rolex makes an incredible product. You know, I feel bad. I feel bad. You go to a boutique, you go to a Toronto, wherever you go, any authorized Rolex retail, retailer, there's one. There's one 28 millimeter, you know, diamond bezel, ladies' watch. That's it. There's nothing. And it's got to be so frustrating. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. And you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about Rolex availability. That's really the topic. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And it's like, I almost feel bad. Like, I mean, that's why it's like, when I don't wear, like, I don't flip my watch. So that's not me. I mean, I've sold a couple here, but it's like, I got to the point where right now, like, I have more watches than I want. And I, and this is over years. I mean, it's not like I just, but like, I want that guy to have my watch. Like, I'm not looking to like, you know, clean them out because that's what the market says. If a watch should be like $12,000 over retail, you know, like, I want that guy to like learn about it and get what he wants. And I, and I feel bad that I don't want people to get discouraged. So getting back to your question, like, honestly, it's just, it, it keeps going in different directions. And all of a sudden you see like every brand's got that one piece that everyone wants and then boom, you can't get it. You know, the brand wants to hold it back. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, no one's you know what's funny? As yeah. a consumer... You know, I, I, I collect watches, I buy watches, you know, just like you, even though I'm in the industry. And I found that my personal reaction to when a watch is unavailable and there's like a hive, you know, like sort of a hive mind effect around is like, we all want this watch. I am 
automatically repelled and I walk the other direction. That a bunch of people want it and are around it means that it's not going to have the originality that I want. It's definitely not going to be um, a, a buyer's market, which, you know, as a buyer, I like. I literally just turn around and walk the other way. I don't think twice about it. it it's just sort of a natural thing. Yet to a lot of other people, it's sort of the, the what I call the line effect. And I remember in college, we read about, you know, the social sciences. If you have a line of people standing up, it doesn't matter what they're standing in line for. It will attract other people to stand yep. in line. Nope. Yet I was the person who's like, wait a minute, there's a line for something? Yeah, that seems like a, an annoying pain in the ass where I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to walk the other way. What yeah. is the difference about me? What do I have wrong or right with me that makes me not want to stand in a line where everyone else wants to? So you're exactly the way. So this is exactly how it feels. And what it's almost like keeping up with the joke. But like I like to be different and you like to be different. And like you don't want to have that same thing that everyone has. It's nothing wrong with you at all. Like I love you for that. And it's like, and that's why I try to explain to everyone. It's like they see the watches, they see people wearing, you know, I don't want to point out brands, but we all know the brands I'm talking about. And it's like, oh my God, I gotta have that because someone over there has it. I don't even know who this, they don't even know who this guy is. You know, it's like you talk to him on Instagram, but you don't know him. You know, just because that you don't know if he really has it. You don't know if you just went to a store and tried it on for his buddies. It's like, oh my God, I gotta have this. And it's like, do you really do you really love it? But you really love it because everyone has it. And it's like it's the whole line thing. Like I just like you, right? Like, yeah, I'm not going that line. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going the other way. But so I don't it's but that's the majority of the people though. You know that. I mean, and it's like I, I can't human even tell nature. You, it's absolutely human nature. And it's like like right now there's a couple of pieces that are like the enthusiast brands and all of a sudden you can't get like it just you know two months ago i did it for stock and i mean sell pretty quickly but like you just can't get it now it's like my phone's freaking non-stop i'm like oh my god that was going over retail i'm like, gonna be honest with you like rolex yeah. i love rolex i think it's a great brand i was just with the people yesterday you know at the opening of the academy museum and i they really are quite lovely people but as a consumer, I have literally written off Rolex. I know how difficult it's going to be to get the Rolex I want. I was talking to a retailer friend last night about Rolex. He sells Rolex. And he said that, that Rolex could send him 1,000% more watches per year, and he would be able to sell all of them out given the current demand, things like that, Pro probably even more. So what I've done is I've literally like in the list in my mind of just taking Rolex off. Like, yes, it's a watch out there, and I like the Rolexes I have, and I'll probably have more in the future. But for right now, it's kind of like, not in an aggressive way, but they're kind of like dead to me because I won't get my heart invested in it because, you know, like everyone, I want watches to make me happy. When I have a difficult time buying something, it taints the entire process for me. Even having the watch, I'm pissed off because I think about buying it. I <laughs> hyper-focus on that ability for these things to make me happy. And I tell people, buy watches from brands that want your money. Otherwise, you're always going to be like that person sucking up to someone you want to date who's always thinking they're better than you. And if you don't put in all the effort all the time, they've forgotten about you. Have you visited the gift store for watch lovers? It's called the Blogged Watch Store, and we carry art, apparel, and accessories for today's timepiece enthusiasts. Buy your wristwatches elsewhere and celebrate the watch collecting hobby with high quality original products at the Blog to Watch store. Right now, the Blog to Watch store features a line of t-shirts inspired by iconic timepieces and designed by the collecting experts at the Blog to Watch. 
Made from 100% premium cotton, our soft fitted t-shirts are stylish, fun, and models like our iconic diver dial even have a glow in the dark face. The Blog to Watch store carries bespoke yet affordable products, which the Blog to Watch editorial team wanted for themselves as the first customers. Visit the website to see what is available right now, and we ship internationally with new products coming all the time. Check it out by logging on to store.ablogtowatch.com. That's store.ablogtowatch.com. Yeah, you need a partner, exactly. But I'll tell you, with Rolex, I remember, oh gosh, it was right before the pandemic, and it was like, someone called me up like, oh my God. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, dude, what is up there? Like, in Torno right now, there's a black dial, OP 39 miller. Oh, 39 oh my miller. God. So now let me tell you something. It's a great watch, $5,700. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I always wanted the white, like, white dial. I mean, I love it. He was like, and this is a guy that's bought like $75,000, $85,000. Like, he would never even think about this. Stops in the store, he's he bought it. He was like, phone me at the mouth. And I'm like, Never, never. And you know what happens? That's what I want to know. Okay, sir, you bought the watch. Now what? Do you wear it? Do you, do you sell it? Do you keep it in the box and papers or whatever? Just like stick it somewhere because you think it's like some asset that you save for the, the, the you know, the, the next financial crisis? Like, like what is what happens now that you own it? Because as yeah. you and I know, I'll tell you what happened. The chase is so much more exciting to most of these people than the actual like, uh, you know, getting the thing. Without a doubt, it's like I always love. But all of a sudden, when I see something, huh? And then if I find that new brand I know about, I love reading. I love doing that research. I mean, it's almost just as good. Sometimes it's almost better because then you get the watch. Like, eh. But like, but with that guy with the Rolex, I think it was not even six days. He, he sold it. He's like, I'm not wearing it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, but he sold it. He made money. Um, whether we made three thousand the time, I have no idea. So he but got. Like, so these people are getting excited because it's a commodity. It's a hot commodity, and like all hot commodities, you can make a profit by acquiring it at a lower price and selling a higher price. But this is not watch collecting behavior. No, this is not. It, you know what? It, it's for me. It kind of. It's like you look at your collection, and it's like, okay, I see what I have. No, maybe they might have been gifts, or maybe they were, I bought. Like, because I really haven't bought that many watches. And I look at what I have, then I see what they're going for on the, on the secondary market. And it's almost like, well, why would I keep this if I can make that money? You know, it's eat stuff fun out of it. Um, and recently, right when I got here, I, I bought myself a watch that I wanted for quite some time that I never thought I would buy myself. And that's crazy expensive. But um, I, when I was beating my buddy down back in my Was it the Audemars Piguet? <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't that. But, um, but when I was in the design district, I was walking around and he asked me to wear the watch. And, you know, I haven't seen him in a while. Actually, it's the first time we met, but like, he's been a client for a few years. And, like, I guess it's funny because we, we're so close. Like, I have these relationships with these guys. It's like, I'm close with them, like, my college buddies. Um, so when I when I met him the first time in person, it was just like, gave my big hug. It was like, I've known him for years, of course. So we're walking around and, you know, he's got a gorgeous Omega Speedmaster, Rose Gold, and plus he brought his AP. And, so I was wearing my watch. I'll tell you when you get on the phone, but it was awkward. Like I just recently got it. I've only worn it maybe once or twice in my backyard. I don't even think I wore it up outside the house. And people were like, oh. And we went to all the watch boutiques there. Um, and it was like uncomfortable. Like I said to my friend, I'm like, this is kind of messed up. Like I feel like we were wearing this watch. Like, this okay, is well, what were you, what were you wearing? Because I have no idea what vibe you were giving off. 
I wasn't giving up. I was wearing a 5164 8 paddock, um, Aquanaut, the So, oh, okay. But, but then, but then it's, it's, it's very hard because you, when you get something like that, and then someone offers you like fifty above retail. It's like, well, why would I? Keep Do you remember when like the like a like a pre-owned Aquanaut, like simple time only, was like five grand? I do. Oh my god! Not only do I do, I remember going to all these stores and like there would always just be there in the showcase. You would like, I remember my friends would be like, well, why would you want that? It's, it's entry level. I'm like, because it's gorgeous and I like it. Why would you? I never just say that. Or was it entry level paddock? But I do. I totally do. But. You know, but now, the now the cheapest way to get into a luxury brand is the most exciting thing for people. It's just interesting how trends and tastes shift, like dramatically. But so, as a watch collector, like you know, you hear about uh, slippers, and we know obviously everyone knows someone that sells. And it's like you know, it's like you, you can't really. Not that I condone it because I don't want the sale. Like, it's like I want everyone to be able to get what they want. Obviously, it's not realistic, but it was awkward. Like we'd walk into the watch boutiques, and they were just like, oh. You got that. You know, it's like, I'm like, really? Well, here's what I, I don't understand, though. Why people don't migrate to watches that are in less demand. I guess the idea that someone is making money off of something is that much more attractive. And we do live in a time of resource scarcity. So maybe now in culture, we're experiencing a, a bubble where it's very fashionable to show that you have money. Whereas 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't. It was much more fashionable to show that you have culture and taste. And now it's just a lot more fashionable to show that you have money. Maybe it's just that simple. Well, I mean, for me, it's, it's like, again, that watch, it's like, that was just, I just to me, I just thought exactly, it's, it's gorgeous, it's super comfortable, but like, it just took all the fun. It's like my whole life, I won one before we said the other, I never got one. And I could have got it for much less, like you said, you know, back in the day. But it was just like, you know, it's just me haters out there um but yes i agree with what you're saying and you know living in new york before i moved here i mean i would never wear a rolex in the subway just because of my safety and it's terrible that i got to the point but when you wear let's say like a longer or something like that when people don't know i mean and, and to me that's more fun like i'm not worried about like i don't wear it just to be like hey hey there's danny and he's got his because that's not me i mean i'll walk in and wear a zodiac or a g-shock i don't care i wear what i like to wear so I mean, I want it. That's what I'm always trying to tell people. Like, you know, it's not about keeping up with the Jones. It's not about, you know, don't listen. I know back in the day when I was in my twenties, I remember the worst feeling I ever had is I, I don't know if it was, was it a front dealer or a submarine, something I got in my credit card. I think it was like a six thousand dollar watch. But in my twenties, I'm probably making fifty thousand dollars a year living in New York. So basically, I mean, I'm living to pay my rent and like just eat like cereal. You know, it's like you can't do that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it was the worst feeling because I knew I got the watch and hey. hey for about two hours, and I realized, oh my god, I gotta pay this Amex bill in <laughs> 30 days. You know, it's the worst. And I told myself, you know what, I'm never gonna spend out of my you know, and it's hard, but like, but I never did it again. And I had to sell that watch because. But when you see everyone wearing it, it like it makes you think, like, well, this is what everyone does. They goes, they go into debt to wear a watch. And I say to people, like, that all sounds great and all, but but do not fake it until you make it when it comes to watches. That's a very bad idea. And do not buy any watches that you cannot afford because you're just going to be unhappy. And there's a $300 Seiko that could make you very happy. No, it's the honest truth. I, I couldn't, I honestly, I think it was like three hours. I was like, oh my God, I remember the ex-girlfriend at the time went with the family. And they're like, oh, you got to, I think for sure it was some armor. And um, then I went home. I remember just up all night, like in bed, like, how am I going to pay for this? 
know. I mean, it's well, the worst. Yeah, here's one thing, and I've heard a couple of stories like this, and this sounds crazy, but I've heard of some people, and I don't want anyone to try this at home, who have done sort of what you're saying at a pretty young age or at a pretty poor time in their life. They went and they bought a watch they could not afford. I've heard stories like from you know Breguet and Vacheron and, and all kinds of stuff, some Rolexes. And here's the weird thing. For some of these people, buying the watch and then having to pay for it literally motivated them to work hard. You know how everybody needs like that kick under their butt? Some oh, people sure. it's like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the rent is due. Other people like you got to impress so-and-so. For these people, and this is the rare exception. Most people don't, this doesn't happen. But – they were like, oh, my God, now I have the watch. I actually have to work hard enough to afford it and other things like it. And their desire to be surrounded by luxury objects actually helped them work harder. Now, today that doesn't work because no matter how hard you work, sometimes there just aren't opportunities. I get that. But in the time and place when all you need is enthusiasm and motivation, sometimes that aspirational value being able to afford that on your wrist is enough, Right. Well, if I put it on my MasterCard, it could have paid it off. I'd probably still have that watch. But because it was Amex, you got to pay it every month. You know, I mean, But I agree with what you're saying. Um, and that is one way to look at it. I never actually thought about it that way. It's a nice angle to think about it. Um, yeah, you can use but, that one. That's good. You can use no, that. I, I definitely will. I mean, <laughs> you know darn well when we get off this phone, I am using enthusiasts instead of like independent watch brands from now on. Um, yeah, but also another thing is, is imagine this, it's the person who started it or runs the company. There are some that are run by product people that really like watches and want to wear it themselves. And there's other people that are run by like, you know, this week is watches, next week is shoes, before that it was fragrance. Like those people, the brands that they run, very rarely a lot of enthusiasm, you know what I mean? No, of course. And, you know, like, and again, personally, I th- Rolex, again, I know we all have our love-hate with a lot of brands, but it's like there are guys that I'm friends with for years that will have a sea dweller, a sky dweller, this dweller, that dweller, they tell, and it's all black dials or whatever it is. And I'm like, they all look the same. Like, And I used to say, come, let me show you some other brands. Even like a Vacheron, you know, which is not, you know, uh, an enthusiast, you know, it's uh, been brand, but like, but they did care. And sure, now it's like money in the bank. It's a commodity. I mean, you can just, gosh, you can clean up. But, you know, I just want to like people to see other things and see what's happening. How, out there. how do you know I, if someone can afford it? This is, a, I've always had this question. Um, you know, the watch industry is very good at making you feel insecure about not being able to afford things that most people can't afford. I mean, I remember I was like in my, my mid 20s and I was like, you know, Ariel, it's very unfortunate that you can't afford a $40,000 all along in Zona. And I'm realizing, like, most people for the rest of their lives can never afford a $40,000 watch. Yet the watch industry makes you feel, you know, super insecure about this. And it's because it's designed to sell to people who have incredibly disproportionate amounts of disposable income. So the question is, when you're qualifying an individual, what are some of the things you do to make sure that they can even uh, have enough to play ball, if you know what I mean? Well, when someone's like, you, when you split it up between five credit cards, and like, you know, maybe it's not time. Um, no, but... Sometimes, and I'm super guilty of this, and my wife will stop me when I'm talking to people and they ask me what I do and tell me a little about like some of the brands. Um, and this is the last couple of years, like I just start going. And I don't like when you stop me, like I'm not taking in that these guys have no idea they could be wearing a tag or a Shinola, you know, or whatever it is. And they think, or you know, whatever and they think they have the NLBO watch, but like I start going on, they can't relate. 
And uh, I totally forgot your question. I'm sorry, man. I just keep going. No, it's okay. It's about qualifying individuals because oh, right. like, no, no, you, you sell mostly remotely now. Like back in the day, and this is this is funny behavior, and everyone's experienced it. But you go to a luxury um, store, watch store especially, and the very first thing that the salesperson does is size you up. What do you What are you wearing? If you're wearing a hundred dollar watch, there's not a very good chance you're buying a hundred thousand dollar watch. It's not saying you couldn't, but statistically, it's you know for them not likely. But in the remote selling world, when you're on the phone with someone, it, it could be anyone. And so you, as a salesperson who likes to talk and develop relationships. You know, at some point, you don't want to waste your time. So, how do you qualify and make sure this person is the type who, over the next couple of years, might be able to drop fifty or hundred grand with you? Well, I mean, unfortunately, not everyone's as transparent, straightforward, and honest like we are. And people are just, for whatever reason, may want to waste. You mean they're posturing in the luxury space or in Florida? No, could you imagine? You know, and it's like (laughs) once they start talking about like their like their collection and everything, where they are, they're on life, and like you know, also. I might speak to people about, hey, listen, could you tell me about this brand? I'm not ready yet, you know, but I'll be out of school in two years or I'll be grad, whatever it is. So, but I have to tell you, just to backtrack a little bit, like when I first started doing this, you know, for me, like to have, oh, by the way, my dates, but I haven't worn like 13 years because, you know, I haven't, I, I, now that my own business, I can wear it, but it's just like, because I'm doing pre-owned and everything, but like I haven't worn it. So then it's not the same for me. Like, I would have sold it a thousand times over because I was getting offered so much money, but it's just, it means too special, you know? And I'm like, I'll give it to my son. But with the, so it's like when I'm talking to people, you try to qualify them, you try to guide them, but it's still like, you don't know. It's like most of my customers, for example, like during the pandemic, when we're not open, oh my mouth, it's referrals. Um, some of them, you know, were inquiries through the website, but most of them are just referrals. And you know what? Sometimes you got this guys that have spun my wheels guys that talk big games about their Ferraris, about this, or the surgeons, they bought this, all that, and they don't buy anything. But they want to shoot, you know, they want to talk with me on the phone for like hours, and they have no consideration for my personal time or just like my social time or my weekends. Um, so sometimes it is difficult because obviously people have pulled one on me, um, but then it's like, okay, one time, fine, two times, at the third time, all right, all right Dan, you just run the phone with this guy for two hours, and it's like he's all over the place. Um, so like, sometimes it's, you know, it's a little inconsiderate, obviously, uh, but I'm always a gentleman, of course. Um, but you know, I never could imagine having a watch over $10,000 a few years ago. You know, to me, that was like, what? You know, and, but I get it. And I do, but like, I don't want to say appreciated, but like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's different now. I mean, you know, you're in the industry, so it's like to buy something at $10,000 watch, like, I mean, you just don't do watches, you get it. Like, that's not the right way to look at it, of course, but that's how a lot of people do. Um, but okay, I, I understand. I understand. We actually only have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure we talk a little bit about your your latest venture, which is Goldsmith and Complications, which is your your first store. And so you went. From, you told me, wait, 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 hold on one second. You told me I had three hours. I'm you want you that that would be a three a three sh- a show thing. Look, you know, we've done shows where people are like just keep talking. We want to hear more. No, and other no, people, like, it's wanna... going on for so long. We can't handle it. I feel like um, this dude from New York is talking way too much. If everyone likes Danny Goldsmith, you give a couple of thumbs ups, and then we'll have you back on. Uh, right. <laughs> but talking about your store again, you've gone from being a distributor. To a, to, a, to a retailer in, in an environment where you were, you know, not the boss, to now, you know, owning the, owning the shop. What types of brands 
Are you caring? At what levels? What is your, you know, uh, criteria in selecting those companies that you represent? Um, and then why should someone come to you or in better or better? At what point should someone reach out to you? What, when, at what point does someone become a watch collector where the types of things that you offer will become interesting and relevant to them? Well, it's an excellent, it's an excellent question. So honestly, I look at it this way. I'm a watch guy that owns a boutique. Really, I mean, I'm just a passionate watch collector that's in a bunch of watch groups likes talking about that. Lucky enough to own a boutique. And so when bringing in brands, um, you know, I want brands that, like, like I said, like I saw bring in G-Shock. I carry G-Shock, I'm sorry. I carry Auris. Now, who's a lower end price point, but I love these brands. And, like, I can wear them all the time. Um, but then I also carry Purnell, which is, you know, could be $460,000 double Sirion Axe and Turbion. Um, and I have Urwork, I have Angelus, I have, and these are enthusiasts for enthusiast brands, but Arnold and Son, LePay, Bird Valley. Um, I'm also I'm doing straps, the lug straps. I'm doing Jean Rousseau. Um, so I had the whole gap. Because you're, you're, like, you're very well, you're, you're very well rounded. I thought it was actually more at sort of the top, top end, but you are, you're well rounded with independents that are not boring. Oh my God. The details of yummy. I mean, the cotton candies and I mean, Oris is just selling like crazy. Um, G-Shock, I actually did take my delivery. I'm getting it next week, but it's like people are already calling me. So I, I look at it this way, honestly. Like, this is what I was saying before. Because it's, if it sings to me and there's something I love it, I don't care. I still have, honestly, I really get going to laugh. I have a Lockman watch from like the 90s that I still wear here and there. Um, I just met with them, actually. <laughs> They're coming back, baby. Lockman's coming back. Yeah, I will post this watch. It's all red. It's they fun. are. They really are. Oh my God, that's hysterical. Uh, they see you with Techno Marina be back. I mean, someone was, you know, I was, no, was I don't think so. What about Michelle? <laughs> so you can only I, be resurrected so many times, you know what I, I mean? Know, I know, I know. But no, that's great. I'm super happy for them. Um, but it, to me, it's, it's like, it, it, I just want people, I mean, the whole premise of this boutique, it's not a typical retail store. It's more like an elegant lounge. And it's, you're going to have, like I said, a T-shirt for $100. All the way to Purnell, that's you know four hundred seventy-five thousand. I mean, there's something for everyone, but I want it to be a place where people can just come, hang out, and again, the guy that has an oris, they can talk to the guy with the artwork. It's a comfortable place. You can learn. Um, and you're you're in Delray Beach. I'm in Delray Beach on Atlantic Avenue, and I've also I have a strap bar from John Rousseau, and I just I was just talking with Ken from Deluxe Strap, wonderful guy, and I have a couple. He's in Singapore. I, you know what? He's like the Singapore daddy, or I'm like the Singapore cat. I mean, this guy is such a great guy. We spoke for like two hours the other day, and I'm like, I'm in. I mean, I think it's wonderful the quality of his straps and everything. So, and for me, it's always about straps and styles. Um, and I like fun coach straps. So, to be to, that's again, like this guy, he doesn't have, I mean, he's got a website, but it's like he's made his business through Instagram, and I want to help him grow, and I want it to be huge. Obviously, I hope he doesn't forget me, but it's just like, I want to help the guys that are good guys, that have great quality products, and, you know, they care about their clients, and they care about their reputation, and they're not looking for that quick one-and-done. Um, so, to answer your question about when anyone can have call me, go to the website, you know, hit me up on Instagram, at DannyGolf23, or my store, I am available anytime for everyone. I'm, I work 24-7. Um, but... Yeah, I'm going to have everything. And what I'm also looking at, I mean, which is really 
you know, you've known me for a few years now. And it's like, I left Walton because I didn't. I want to be around for my family. I want my son to you know, FaceTime when I was in California. And he's trying to understand. And I'm like, you know what? That's why I want to be around. And, you know, so when I was at Chilini, it's like I actually found my calling there um, because and it just grew. I mean, I really got the focus. There were so many brands that, like, I did like for whatever reason, like, silly reasons. Like, when you're in your 20s, some guy, you know, has a certain watch. You're like, oh, he's such a whatever. And I just, I mean, that was just me. Sure. Really, I'll just do that for history. So I can talk about, you know, the sports crisis and just read up about all these brands and Zenith and everything. But I gave a nice appreciation for a lot of these brands. And um, so I'm thankful for that experience. But then that's what I want to. It's telling everyone else. I want to teach them about it. I'm going to bring in brands that aren't in the U.S. Um, that I'm talking to a few brands right now. So, um, George, um, there's just so much out there. And I think that um, I just want to educate everyone. And you know what? Listen, I hear about all the bad experiences. And it's like, it's not that like I'm doing anything special. Obviously, I'm not the most knowledgeable. I mean, I'm just a straight shooter that like always, if I don't know something, I'm going to look it up. The brand. I mean, I want people to be happy. I know how hard it works for their body. It's like I've had personally so many bad experiences walking into boutiques, especially since the pandemic. It's like people look at you, like you were saying, they look you up and down and no <laughs> idea. And it's like, and I don't really go into boutiques. I just don't like it. I'll never try anything on. But I had one experience with uh, one of the brands that we keep talking about. Um, and it was like, oh my God. She's like, no, keep waiting list too long. I mean, she was so rude. It was horrible. So I was just like, oh my God, like I feel bad for someone that wants to know, you know, like, I mean, for an OP to go $20,000 for Tiffany Blue on the secondary, it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and I feel, I know I'm like all over the place, but I feel bad for that dude that wants to get it. So I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. And I want everyone to feel comfortable. And um, a lot of guys that, you know, that I've met, literally have come for, when I was in the city working in retail, they would come in for, let's say, it was a watchmaker event, and they're like, they're enthusiasts, but like, maybe they have an Invicta, you know, maybe they have a, a you know, a lower price point watch, and maybe they get it. And you know how gratifying it is that, like, just talk to these guys, because you let them try on the group, or you let them try on the Moser, or the Gronfeld, it's like, oh my God, because no one else would. I mean, Invicta like, could be a gateway drug, you know? I mean, I don't know. There's, There's a lot of Invictas in New York. Oh my God. Oh my God! I have a, my cousin's got about twenty of them. In a, Where would we be if we didn't have Invicta to make fun of? Is my question. You know, who would be making fun of? Yeah, but you know about it's such an things. easy target. I just I, love that they're such an easy target. I know, but I'm, I'm just thinking about. It. I have to, three of these WhatsApp groups up, and it's like on a daily basis they get you know crapped on, and I'm like, oh God. Um, but you're right; it is an easy target. Um, but like getting back to these brands, it's like you know what? There are so many people out there that don't like the time because if that guy's not buying now they don't want to deal with it but it's like how are these guys going to know and if you're really passionate about it they go yes i mean it is my business but i was like that when it wasn't my business and you know, fast forward three years later you know you have these guys that now are successful they're out of school they paid off their debt they're buying watches but they come right to me and they refer their friends and it means a lot to me and it wasn't like i mean i wouldn't care if they never came to me but just the fact that you know to buy something because maybe i don't sell what they want uh, just to have that relationship and just to have those friendships is wonderful. What I want to summarize here, and I want to sort of re recap, and again, thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll have to have you back on the show. But there's a difference between going to someone to buy something you already want and having someone you can have a chat with and to figure out what you want 
as a course of that relationship or a course of that conversation. And you represent one of a small number of people around the world. And I know this because I travel and I, and, I, and I know as many people as I, as, I, as I can that are able to take watch sales, consulting and friendship and sort of combine it and went to one interesting role. And the types of people that become customers of the Danny Goldsmiths and the other people uh, out there who are your colleagues tend to remain your customers for a very, very long time because you're offering more than just selling, but you're offering, like you said, a friendship and sort of, yeah, you, you are a designer drug pusher, but you know, it's one of those addictions that you hope, you hope is, is, is healthy. And there's nothing wrong. You know, as adults, especially as adult men, we always have a deficit of little fun things to make us happy. And there's no shame in playing with toys. And you definitely don't want to do it alone. And buying a fancy watch from someone who can really get down in the mud with you and have fun with you playing with it versus someone who's like, okay, yeah, here you go. This is what it costs. You want me to bag it up for you? It's night and day. And so, Danny, thank you so much for, for sharing a little bit about sort of what it's like to talk with you and someone who might be like you. You've gotten the extra step of having your own store, which I think is fantastic. And, and I hope that we can have an a blog to watch event in Delray Beach, because if you have a lounge, it sounds like you need some guests. I definitely need some guests. And thank you for having me. It was a wonderful experience. You know, I always love you know, talking with you. And we need to do this more. The, sh the, the store is Goldsmith and Complications in Delray Beach, Florida. You can learn more about him on social media because he's very popular there. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Superlative Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, please email the show at superlative at blog2watch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit ablogtowatch.com. Thank you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?